All right, welcome everybody to this stream of Breaking Absolutes. Uh, if, you don't, if you haven't done so, please take the opportunity to follow or subscribe. It gives us a chance to bring you some of the artists like we're going to talk to today. Uh, today, I am honored to have Casey Grillo with us. Um, I think a lot of our followers and other music fans will know um, Casey for sure from Camelot um, and more recently uh, his work with Queendrake, and we're absolutely going to talk about those things. But in keeping with what we really try and do here uh, to dimensionalize um, musicians in the variety of ways they are they they collaborate and do um, are involved in other uh, music efforts. We also talk about some of the other creative efforts that they are um, involved in, and and you know expose everybody to the various ways that these um, uh, these musicians are making a living, um, expressing their art. Uh, and I'm excited because with Casey, uh, I, I was very familiar with Casey, but I spent some time getting to know him better in preparation for this conversation. Um, and it's interesting to note that, um, and I think this was part of the disclosure when, when um, Casey moved on from Camelot, that he has a, a drum company called Gr Drum Static. They've done some exciting things, and we want to talk to him about that. Um, Casey has a, an extensive list of involvement in other music projects with a lot of very um, um, sort of luminaries in rock and metal, and we want to talk to him about his work there, which is not always only as a drummer, but also as an engineer and a songwriter. So that'll be really exciting. And, and many of these are names that you know and that I'm certainly a fan of. Um, and Casey's a, a visual artist. Um, I, even, I took a chance to go and look at some of his art. So we want to talk to him about one of the things, you know, what brings him to that um, and how that expresses a part of who he is. Um, so with that as a preamble, let me go ahead and transition and bring Casey on. Casey, welcome. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, I appreciate you spending some time with us. This is really cool. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk about all these things. Um, and, of course, we'll talk about A Burden Cage, which is a symphonic metal um, um, sort of album slash game. You play this experience, uh, and we want to get to that for sure. But there's a bunch of things I'd love to cover first, if we can. Um, and I, I don't want to go all the way back to your childhood, but there was a really interesting note I found when I was looking at a little bit of biographical information that said uh, you have a couple of siblings who are both also drummers. Uh, do I, did I read yeah. that right? Yeah. My sister, uh, actually it was my brother played drums first. Okay. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but uh, he's, he's probably the big reason why I started playing drums. He, uh, he bought me my first drum kit. Um, we used to play together. We'd have them both set up and you know in the same room and and uh and go at it you know and then my sister started playing as well um she doesn't play anymore but uh but she still has a drum set i think she has my brother's old drum set but yeah that's that's how it kind of all started is very a drumming family you know yeah. my mom used to sit there and probably drive her crazy but she said she loved it so yeah <laughs> i guess all is good there no, it's uh, you know, it's just really interesting. I don't know if there's something in the genes sometimes, but um, it's kind of cool that it was a family thing. Everybody kind of uh, timekeepers. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, clearly, it seems like you had um, the most success there. And so, uh, but before we get to more of the the your your musical life, um, I actually wanted to start with your art. Um, it goes under the moniker Works with an X. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about this. I mean, is this something you do uh, as just another outlet? Uh, is it something that you have ambition to sort of grow into a visual artist more? I I started painting maybe a year and a half ago, maybe a couple of years ago, um, and it was what actually kind of got me started in was uh, I went. We were playing Monsters of Rock cruise, and uh, I saw Rick Allen's work on there. Oh yeah, and it, it kind of it inspired me, and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." And I and I, I have a friend that's an artist. He lives across the street. He's a, he's a teacher and stuff. And um, I went to him. I said, "Hey, I kind of want to start getting into doing this, you know, because it'd be neat." You know, I have a lot of free time. I, I had more free time now than I ever expected, but but back then I was like, you know, when I get home, I kind of like to to do things if I'm free, you know. And, um, that's kind of how it started. Was and I just started, you know, watching videos on YouTube and uh, just doing, you know, some a lot more landscaping. Now I'm getting a little bit of other things, but 
but uh, it, it's just kind of fun to actually dive into something different um, when you're when you're not playing drums, you know, when there's not, you know, it's all, always music going on. Sometimes you got to get away from it. Yeah. And that was kind of my reasoning of, of trying it out. And I, I tried it out. I was like, wow, and I've done watercolor stuff, but and uh, oil and, and, and acrylic. But I like working with probably oil the best, but it takes so long to dry. <laughs> uh -huh. So Well, I looked at um, the stuff I was able to find. It, it, it is landscape, but it's beautiful. Uh, oh, I, I think you need to keep at it, man. I think it's really cool. Appreciate that. Thank you very yeah, much. Maybe, maybe at some point you'll be um, painting for your album covers or something. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, you also like, you know, segueing a little bit into your music life, but you have a, a very substantive business with drum static. Um, and I know that it was mentioned as it was one of the, the things that you thought you'd go spend a lot more time doing as you transitioned away from Camelot, tell us about tell us about Drumstatic for people who aren't familiar. What it you know what you do there, uh, and I'd be interested to hear like artists that you may have um, done this for. All, you know, I mean, I know there's there's tons, but it might be interesting to hear a few sparklers there. Yeah, I I started probably it's been about ten years ago. I started oh, wow. uh, Drumstatic, and uh, what what ended up happening was. Um, I was making drum heads for myself, you know, and, and, uh, and then a friend of mine said, Hey, why don't you, you know, uh, make some drum heads for us. And he, he was doing, he was doing drum clinics at a music store at, at Seminole music here in Florida. Um, and, uh, so I started doing these clinics that he'd have come to town. And, uh, the first big one that I did was, uh, Ray Luzier from corn oh, nice. and, uh, and Ray, uh, he's like, hey, man, I don't have anybody to make these drum heads for me. Could you make some heads for me? Well, you know, he just got the gig, you know, just got the corn gig. And I said, you know, sure, I'll, I'd love to. And and uh, so that's kind of how that started. And then then uh, Kiss did something with corn, like they did a show of, or something with them. And, and uh, I got a call from, uh, from the drum tech from Kiss, uh, Paul, and he was like, "Hey, can you do some drum heads for us?" And uh, they had an idea. They, I did this. I did this strange. Uh, well, I did like this thing with with the corn head. It actually reflected. It was a. Uh, it's almost like a stop sign where it reflects when light hits it. And uh, Kiss saw that, and they were like, "Hey, we got to have this." And uh, I was like, "Okay, but you're Kiss. You like LEDs and fire and stuff." <laughs> I go, "We can't really set the drum head on fire." Uh, but maybe we could do something with LEDs. So I did the first uh, LED drum head uh, that I had ever seen, most expensive drum head at that time ever made. And uh, we ended up doing uh, a bunch of like those LED heads for Kiss. And uh, actually, it's Eric Singer's birthday today, too. So happy birthday. To oh, Eric. Wow, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we did those and I've done, I've done, uh, I believe, four Super Bowls, uh, one with Madonna. Um, one with Justin Timberlake, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then the last one, not this last year, but the, uh, or not this year, but last year, uh, which was uh, J-Lo and, and Shakira. So I've done a few of those and Saturday Night Live, especially, you know, every, you name the, the TV show and I probably, if it's, they had music on it, I've probably done it, you know? Yeah. Um, tons of different artists. I mean, there's so many. I, can't name them uh, all. Hell yet. yeah, was one. Yeah, there's so many of metal metal guys as long as with pop and every styles of music, you know. And, and uh, so it's been it's been a fun trip with that, you know. Like getting to know even some of the artists are very you know very kind and invite me and my wife out and to the show and and uh, it's always been been pretty cool. I mean, I've met some interesting rappers and rock stars, so. Uh, but uh yeah yeah well you know um one of the things i saw i looked at the the this, this site a little bit that i think is really cool is in addition to working for these artists who are kind of at the top of the musical food chain you really there's this you talk to the potential consumer about hey look we we know what it's like to be a musician who is grinding just to make ends meet 
So, you know, we're not going to rake you over the coals. There's very affordable pricing for people who want to yeah, absolutely. really ha- up-level the, the look of their drums without breaking the bank, which I think is really cool. Yeah, like a basic drum head, like a 22 inch is 75 bucks plus shipping, you know, and that's, yeah. that's pretty much, you know, now if you got into the LED stuff, or the, well, I sure. do video heads now too. Those are, oh my gosh, really? Those are my, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I had actually did some for uh, Justin Timberlake for the Super Bowl and they ended up went a different, they did a different route on, on the whole staging. So uh, I, uh, the first time we had ever used them was with Queensryche, and that was pretty cool. Just having those LED heads, you know, the video—it's it's amazing, you know. So, but those are probably the most expensive heads ever made now, after the Kiss heads. So, uh, yeah, that's so very cool. Um, somehow I've missed that, but I will immediately go to YouTube and find those videos. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, they're out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're out there. That's really cool, man. That's some. That's um. It's it's really fun to hear the the innovation end of it too uh where you're taking something that's part of your craft but a whole new angle um yeah i've always tried to like make things totally different you know like like even at the start with the corn head trying to do the the reflective stuff and um you know just try to make it as unique it's almost like trying to reinvent a part of the drum head you know yeah and do these things uh so far i've been really lucky i've had a good team of, of guys to help me out with it and uh you know help build it and help uh, you know think about what what how we could do this <laughs> how will this work the kiss head was a nightmare we, we actually did catch some uh some drum heads on fire so. oh wow but, uh, that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> metal too, yeah yeah i mean you know they they asked for the the brightest lights they could get the ld leds and uh we got them and if you turn them all the way up they you know they'll melt melt the drum heads <laughs> oh wow so um, uh, yeah. So well, that's that's really cool, man. I, um, we'll just pause there to tell everybody, like, if you're in a band or and or a drummer, uh, you should check check out Drum Static next time you want some customization. Um, I did look at some of the designs uh, on the front page, and they're it's really cool. And in fact, I think it even offers the opportunity to help ideate on on design. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like local yeah. design and stuff. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Okay. Um, hey, let's let's kind of transition into your your musical life a little bit. But I want to start not with the obvious. I want to start with your collaborations. Um, and I hope I pronounce this correctly. But you were part of a, a group called Alma. Yep, Alma. Yep. I said that right. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and for folks who aren't familiar with this, like it's got a hell of a lineup. Like. Um, you know, folks from Nightwish and Stradivarius, uh, you, I, I mean, it's kind of almost like a super group. Um, I was just interested in a little bit of the backstory on how you came to participate in that effort. Uh, what, I believe I, I played a Brazil show, Brazilian show with uh, Edu. I think, I think it was Angra or something. And, uh, and Edu had, had, uh, asked me if I was interested in doing this project yeah. and he told me who was uh, going to be playing on it. And, uh, you know, it was quite, quite amazing you know, lineup. And I was like, for sure, you know, and it was one of those things that ne- we never stepped in, the, in, into a studio together. It was always, you know, the way r- records are made now are totally different than back in the day when you could, everybody was together, you know, but uh, so I, I didn't really get to see Lowry or any of the other guys in the studio, but uh, it was, you know, it's one of those great projects that I'm proud of. It's been quite some time ago and they've done another version of that. They had another drummer and and I I think I'd gotten dizzy and he wanted to make a real band with it and actually do shows and stuff. And for me, that was hard to do at that time. I was with with Camelot, you know, because we had toured quite a bit. So but uh, that's a great product. I mean, that first record was was always something special, you know. Yeah, I, great songs. I listened to a few tracks off it. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's one of those gems that I think um, maybe is lesser known, at least domestically. Um, it's a yeah. great record. Um, so yeah, very cool. Sure. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll talk more about this, but um, you've been you've been such a uh, a working musician. 
I'm finding time for, I, I'm, we don't even have time to go through all of the collaborative efforts you've been in, but I just wanted to mention a few. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about, well, there's actually a couple, but is called the Consortium Project. And yeah, consortium, at, yeah. Uh, sorry, Consortium. Um, yeah. As I was kind of like reading through uh, uh, about this, one of the things that was really, you know, kind of popped for me is, you know, you were not only uh, behind the drum kit for some of this, you were actually in the production and doing engineering, um, as well as I believe co-writing on some tracks. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't know if I really co-wrote on much of it. I don't remember if I ever even got a, a thing on that, but I uh, probably did, you know, you know, changing something on the record. But um, yeah, on the, on the, I believe it's the very first one, uh, Ian Perry, uh, which was a singer, and, and he actually created that whole thing. He, he came over and uh, we, I, we just met each other after a tour. You know, we were, we were on the road with, he was with Elegy and um, he, he said, Hey, I want to come over. I said, Hey, I have a studio. And we did some drums there. Dirk, uh, the drummer that did some of the, on the record, he played some drum parts and we recorded it. Um, so it, you know, we did some writing and stuff there too as well. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that there's a few of those records I did with, with Ian actually. Yeah. Uh, some of them I played all the drum parts and I believe the ones that I played the drum parts on, I recorded in my studio. So, um, that's where the engineering part gets, you know, gets a handle on it. I did some vocals for, or, you know, I recorded Ian's vocals in the studio as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, a, that's a great project too. You know? he, yeah. I believe he just re-released some stuff uh, not too long ago. So, yeah, there were a number of records from the project. Um, but it was another, it's another one of those, and it could just be kind of my own sort of musical circles I run in, but I, I wasn't really very aware of. So I wanted to make sure we talk about it because um, on the one hand, it's, it's great music. On the other hand, I think it kind of speaks to a larger point, Casey, about you as a player that some of these really, really, um, you know, uh, established artists want to have you involved. Uh, you know, it's um, you're I think you're, you're in a very small set of drummers that are on a short list for if we need to do something really cool uh, and we need a lot of technique and soul. You know, we need Casey's in that mix. Um, and that just became evident to me as I was looking back at your resume. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to for me, I can I play every kind of music that I can. Yeah. So if, if something comes in and it's a. It's like, hey, uh, it's at a jazz gig, and uh, you got to play brushes all night. I'm like, okay, I'll do it, you know. And and so to be able to go, you know, back and forth from a heavy metal gig or a really hard hitting gig to something super light, you know, it's it's always been that's I've always been into doing stuff like that. It's a challenge, but it's a you know um, to do it is is not easy, and uh, and I I really pride myself in being able to do that, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't, I, I didn't come across any of the, any recordings of uh, some of the other stylings, but I'll have to go look. Um, yeah, there's not much out there. I usually get pretty. It's mostly all metal. Yeah, you, time. you get known for something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I, I do a lot of. I do some local gigs that are, you know, both pop and um, every kind of music you think of, jazz, rock, yeah. to a country. You know. Yeah, yeah. Anything at pace. <laughs> I got a buddy who lives down there now and he's doing the same. He's a drummer. He's the same thing. He's, he's uh, out kind of just, you know, very versatile. And, and frankly, right now there's a lot of musicians who are, um, I don't know that you sit in this category, but they're having to find all kinds of ways to bring money in because the touring's gone. Yeah. I mean, it was, it just all stopped, you know, yeah. everything just one day in March, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Florida has been lucky because uh, they've had music back for a little bit now, probably almost a year um, to kind of a select little, you know, few because it was like, okay, we can start off and do duos. And uh, they didn't want full bands at first because it brought too many people in. You couldn't dance, yeah. stuff like that. So I was lucky enough to go out and play a couple duo gigs with, with a buddy of mine, a, a, you know, you know, have that little drum kit and play acoustic. And again, 
play quietly, you know, because it was usually outside because they were social distancing. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, now it's, it's changed. It's starting to open up more, more and more, but uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends and, and, you know, drumming music, uh, you know, uh, musicians around here, they were, you know, hit pretty hard. Um, I even, I even tried, I, I did some, uh, I raised some money for, for some and, and try to spread that around a little bit, you know, uh, during the real hard parts, you know, the six, six months to a year into it, it was, it was getting bad. You know, I could see people even, you know, like bartenders and stuff like that, that were struggling, you know, with no work. So, yeah. But. Yeah. I saw something about that. Um, I think you had sort of appealed to one of the, the recording Academy or one of the bona fide yeah. music organizations and there just wasn't any money to be had. So you kind of bootstrapped no. it on your own. Yeah, I just went out and did like a go or not a GoFundMe, but just raise some, you know, raise some money here and there. But, uh, you know, it was good. It was good to help out some longtime friends and people that I didn't even know, you know, would uh, would say, hey, you know, I could sure use whatever you can give us. And I would go out and buy, you know, Publix gift cards, like a grocery store gift cards and stuff and, and send them, you know, out to them. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, was it felt good to kind of, try to help out in any way I could, you know? Yeah. So, but, uh, and there's still people that are having a hard time right now. You know, it's not over yet. It's, so. That's right. There's, I know that there's, uh, some planning in certain areas for festivals and, and, and tours later in the year. And I think it's all yeah. hopeful. Um, that I think it's fragile enough. You don't know if something, something's going to, a shoe's going to drop and nobody's going to get to go out on tour. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It could happen. Like we found out it can happen like that. It's over. You know? Yeah. So, well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more just about a couple of other things that I, I'm, I want to bring people's attention to. Um, you did a, you know, you, you were part of an Iron Maiden tribute, um, which, which is really cool. I don't, are you a Maiden fan or, or, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but you also you also um, did some work with John Oliva's um, Pain Festival. Is that did I read that right? Did you did you get did you yeah, perform yeah. with his his Pain group? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a track. You know what? It was it was some snare drum stuff that I did. Okay. Um, it was like a marching segment uh, on a on a on a record. Um, and I've I've known John Oliva for a lot of years. He's he's a Tampa musician. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, so it was basically just the. I did this whole. I uh, probably can't even remember how many snare drums I recorded. Probably 15, 20, something. You know, another thing I engineered in my studio. But uh, yeah, I, I would played on that. You know, just little parts here and there. Um, you know, and and the Iron Maiden thing was cool. That was a uh, that was an Ian Perry thing from the consortium uh, as well. Oh, and nice. I've always loved Iron Maiden. We've uh, done a few shows with them with Camelot. We'd open up for them a few times and. Um, amazing to go to another country and be in a stadium and it's full of just you know amazing crazy you know uh, fans for that for our music you know so yeah. um but yeah always been a big fan of those guys too as well i saw some pretty uh some pretty cool shots from your your drum riser at, at some of those looking at it a sea of people that must be a thrill <laughs> yeah. It is. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, last one I want to mention is uh, you, you played on a couple of tracks on uh, Damage Control with Jeff, Jeff Scott Soto. Uh, he's yeah. A, yeah. Uh, he, there, I don't know if there's a connection there. I know um, Jeff sings with TSO, which I think has some headquarters down there in, the, in Florida. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Je Jeff, Jeff and I go back quite a ways. Um, he uh he's been a good friend for a lot of years and and he and he he got with me uh i've done probably it's, it's maybe two it's two at least two different records a couple of songs here and there yeah. he's got a, a, a drummer that he always uses which is an amazing drummer but uh so he asked me to do a couple of songs and uh was like yeah i mean jeff's like my you know one of my favorite singers so um i'm like yeah i mean he sang in journey you know yeah that's right he, with, with dean castronova playing drums and uh so 
yeah, I mean, I've always been a big, big fan of Jeff, you know, back from uh, the the movie that he, he sang on too as well, I believe Rockstar. Or, yeah, that's or, right, Rockstar. Or, or Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg then. But, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know him then. But I was like, who is this guy? Who's singing this part, you know? But so that was that was really cool. Same thing. Just did it in my studio, did the drums in my studio. Uh, and uh, but I, every time if I'm in California or, you know, I've met up with Jeff in some crazy places, you know, some different different uh, countries as well. Like he'll be on tour and I'll be on tour. Or if, you know, uh, TSO comes into town, I'll go out and see him, take him out to lunch or whatever. Yeah. But uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's just a great person to work with and an amazing singer. So Yeah, for sure. Um, he's got uh, – I've seen TSO in concert uh, many times, and they usually give him uh, uh, Tommy Faris's tunes because he can really just give it the soul it needs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's cool. And, and the reason I kind of go the down memory lane here a little bit is I just want folks to see, like, the diversity of – players and ways that you contributed and participated with, you know, just some of the best and brightest in the, in the genre. Um, you know, before we get to, you know, the things that probably made you kind of a name for a lot of the fans. So let's talk a little bit about Camelot. Um, uh, it looks like to me, you were 21 in, in 97 when you joined, that yeah. seems like a super tender age to be joining such an established group. Uh, so how did that come about? Man, uh, I, I was playing locally uh, in a top 40 band. Really? <laughs> playing the app, playing like Madonna and all this other, you know, the, you know, just top 40 songs. And uh, I was playing at a place called Harpo's here in, in Tampa. And uh, I got approached by the bass player at the, at the time was Glenn Berry. And uh, Glenn's like, hey, you know, we noticed you you know, you're great. You know, you play drums. It looks like you play double bass, that kind of thing. And like, yeah, I can do, do all that stuff. He, like, would you want to do a record for us? And I, at that time we hadn't talked about doing uh, me joining the band or anything. I was just doing it as a studio uh, a session thing. And uh, we went to Morris Sound, did the, did the record. Um, they got a new singer at the time, uh, which was Roy, Roy Kahn. Um, and then uh, I became their drummer, went out on tour. I think I was the only guy getting paid because I was like, you know, hey, I'm leaving a job to, you know, because I had a gig, you know, I was playing, playing locally. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, for the first tour was, I was with Elegy, which was with Ian, Ian Perry and him. And uh, that was pretty amazing to actually go out and, and you know, be able to do what I always wanted to be on a tour bus. And yeah, yeah. of course I was on a tour bus with 18 other guys, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, you know, it was, it's just one of those times in my life that, you know, I'll never forget. And uh, you know, it was, it was so great. It, it, was, it was so great. It's uh, it's, it's like the, the dream scenario, you know, that's the, the, the musicians that gets, dis, that gets discovered playing his local stuff. Yeah, yeah, you lived yeah, the, exactly. You lived the fantasy there, man. Uh, not that it wasn't earned. I mean, uh, it's clear that you spent the time on the craft, but uh, it's a cool story. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into because it was like they're like, "Hey, we're we play this kind of music," and it was like all fast double bass stuff. And I'm like, "They're like, can you play that?" I'm like, "Sure, I can do that." <laughs> Never played any of that stuff before in my life, even though I was like a big Dean Castronova fan and. He played with Wild Dogs and uh, all these other, you know, different bands that was a lot of double bass. Played on the, uh, a couple of uh, guitar records that I really dug, and and uh, being uh, can't even think of the, Tony McAlpine, and uh, so I got into that kind of music, but never tried to play it. So, you know, the first uh, first record was not as easy as the other ones came about because I I really had to go woodshed a good bit. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's always the, I mean, they tell you that you just say yes, and then you figure it out. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, when it got to the, the um, creative process, I know bands all approach this differently. Did, were you involved in the, the drum writing part of it with Camelot on those records? Did that change uh, over time? 
it was it back then it was pretty much you know they would do demo stages like you know here's a you know like they you know put on a drum machine and they would just go all the way through it so when i would get in the studio you know i don't know if it would be considered writing i didn't write any of the parts uh musically you know so drums are different you know drums that yeah. you can't copyright them you can't you know so uh, you kind of you know i made up parts obviously but uh it was uh one of those things you know as camelot progressed and went um and the, the records that came after that record uh, it got more and more like uh the production uh which was with sasha sasha and uh miro over in germany they they he would he would have stuff clearly like he wanted it played you know yeah and uh so uh, a lot of times i would get to the studio never never heard the song um actually nine times out of ten that's how it would show up yeah um never i'd walk into a session and um uh, you know here's the song and the, the, the engineer at the time uh, would go well do you want to hear it or do you want to do it I go, well, now there's no, let's just go for the first verse and go on from there, see yeah, what, yeah. what happens. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of times how, how we would record stuff or, or how I would record it because it was, everything was happening. So, you know, they wouldn't want to give me stuff and say, here, learn these parts, learn this song, because it would change so oh, much, yeah. you know, uh, before I would get to it. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was always good to record with those guys as well. Yeah, well, hey, I have to commend you. I um, one of the things I I looked up when I knew we were going to get to have this conversation is the, the exit, and um, th- those things are you know handled in all kinds of ways, and I thought the way that you handled that was really classy. Like, there's there's a if I if I am reporting this correctly, there's a photo of you with your replacement. There's all of this like you you commending uh, your replacement to the fans and asking them to embrace him and it was all just done with such class and that's not always the case so i think it says something about your character uh, i uh wanted that on the record well, yeah the you know the the uh i mean the the guy that took my place was a good friend of mine as well okay. um i'm still good friends with with all the guys you know i was going to ask that so, you, you stay in touch or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to the to, to Sean Tibbetts like uh, maybe two days ago. He called me. He was driving. He's like, "Hey, I just want to call and talk while I'm driving." You know, so, um, so I mean, those, those guys are. Like, I mean, I spent a lot with with Thomas was twenty years. I was in that band. Yeah. So um, Oliver came in a little bit later, and Sean uh, joined, rejoined. He was one of the original members. Um, and then with Tom, Tommy, the, the you know, uh, the new singer and, and which is, you know, that's been 10 years ago that he joined the band, but, uh, even Roy, I st- still talk to Khan, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk occasionally. And, um, you know, my thing is that there, nothing, it was, it was basically, I was getting so busy with, with the drum heads and stuff like that. And, and uh, I knew I'd, I'd had, uh, some gigs with with queens i was like you know what if i can um, keep this drumhead thing going um that would be what i do you know and maybe do some gigs you know whatever uh, whenever i can with whoever it is if yeah. it's with camelot or if it's queens whoever and uh that was kind of my thing you know and and uh the drumhead business i you know had to hire you know get some people involved and i uh, couldn't do it myself you know, any longer because it was just getting too busy. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, COVID came along and shut that down as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it, it, it was one of those things. Uh, I, for me, leaving on, leaving on a sour note or, or being a jerk about it was a, not a way to do, it's not a way to do anything. Right. You know, uh, but some people do it. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, and that is definitely yeah. not the way. You made um, your you made your transition. It's really good to hear that you, um, you know, I, the, there's there's the downturn with COVID, but um, sort of on a larger sense, your your business efforts of, are paying dividends, uh, and clearly the Queen Drake thing is, and I will talk more about Queen Drake in a second, 
Um, I want to ask one kind of typical question, but I just kind of got it because I'm such a fan of all of your work in Camelot. And I know you can't distill it all down, but is, when you when you reflect on your time with Camelot, is there are there is there a moment or, or you know a tour or something that just kind of shines for you as as you know a high point in that part of your career? Probably every time we played back in open air. Oh yeah, um, you know Germany. It's like such a huge festival, you know, and. Uh, on the main stage, I, think, I believe the first time we ever played there, we were on a side stage, and we were like, "Wow!" Like going and seeing the bands on the main stage. Like, I wish I could, wish we could play there. And then you know, we came back. I believe we, I think I played with Camelot probably three years. I believe it was three, three or four years. I can't remember how many different years we played, but uh, every year it got bigger. You know, it was uh, cool to see that happen. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's probably one of those one of those times. I mean, it's hard to say, like, it's it's so many years of playing music, you know, we to but to see something go from us playing a little uh, club in Tampa and nobody knowing who the band was. And there might be five people in the audience to go onto a big stage and playing in front of thousands of people, you know, uh, that was to, to see that happen. You know, it was, it was really cool to see how big something could, could get, you know, Yeah. and uh, to be a part of that. It's really neat. Yeah. That's, I've never been to Vakken, but someday, um, it is kind of one of those Holy grail places for, you know, metal fans and metal bands. So yeah, you, ha you have to go. It's a, it's a not just to see the show, but shows, but, uh, to walk around and see all the different things you can buy there. Just a, it's just a really cool festival. Yeah. I'll get there. Maybe when this craziness is over, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I I'll have to look I, I, I'm guessing they're not planning for this summer, but I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. It's all, everything's up in the air, you know? So, um, okay. Let's talk about queen drag a little bit. Um, the, you know, I'm sure this has been documented, but for those in the Twitch world and for myself, how did that, how did that touch point, how did that connection get made um, where you began to fill in over there? Um, I was on my, my wife and I's 20 year anniversary on a boat. We were on a cruise ship and we got married at a fun time of the year, which is spring break down here oh, <laughs> in yeah. Florida. So <laughs> March 16th is our anniversary and we were like let's go on a cruise ship and uh we went on a cruise ship and it was crazy like it we were like oh my gosh we all these kids could be our kid so we're like going wow this is this is different and uh we thought it was going to be a nice room it was fun though we had a blast it was one of my favorite cruises I've ever been on actually the favorite and uh so I was sitting in uh we were we found the quietest place on the ship, which is like kind of overlooking the swimming pool and everything. One of those big round rooms. Um, and nobody's in there. And my wife and I would spend time in there. And uh, all of a sudden I get this phone call. And I'm like, wow, my phone's actually working because we were kind of alongside Florida. So it wasn't, wasn't too far offshore. And uh, it's, it's Todd Latore, uh, the singer from Queensryche. And he's like, uh, Hey, I, I gotta talk to you. I go, I go, man, I'm, I'm at sea right now. I go, this is probably like eight dollars a minute. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, go download Viber and 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 call me back. And I'm like, I don't even have the, I didn't even get the internet package. So it's like, I'm on vacation. I'm not gonna look at any business stuff, uh, nothing. He goes, I'll pay for the internet package. Just go get it. I'm like, okay. So I went and got you know got Viber, called him back, and I'm sitting there talking to him and. Uh, my wife and I were, we, we actually fell in love together listening to Queensryche. Queensryche was kind of the, our, uh, the music underneath our, the beginning of our, our relationship when we started dating and stuff. So it was like our theme music behind us. And uh, we, our, our first, the first show we ever went together uh, to see was Promised Land. So we're huge fans. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was a huge fan when I was a kid. And uh, so Todd's like, hey, uh, 
we we need to get a there's a show that that uh, scott can't do and uh, is he's having his girlfriend's having a baby uh would you want to do it i go i go yeah i go but i go when's the show and literally it was like eight days after i got off the cruise ship and i'm like dude i don't have any time to prepare for it and he's like man you could do this he goes you know i've known todd for years so uh, i knew todd as a drummer before he was a saint you know I saw that he was singing. I'm like, what are you doing singing? Why aren't you playing drums? You're a great drummer. So uh, we, uh, <laughs> like, he, he's like, get download all these songs. And there's stuff I didn't, the stuff that I knew, the legacy stuff. But uh, then it was all this stuff that I didn't know. So I'm like, wow, I'm going to be working on this. So uh, I'm like, I just, and I, I told him on the phone, I just, I, I, like, I don't think I can do this. And the whole time my wife is kicking me under the table. <laughs> so you're doing this. <laughs> like, so I, I, you know, I listened to my wife, which I'm glad, you know, she kicked me hard enough. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much how it happened. And I went home, I had eight days before I had to fly out. And uh, I, I was working eight, 10 hours a day. And my wife was shoving food underneath the, uh-huh. the, the door of the studio. And <laughs> you stay out there you know, until it's right. And, and, uh, so that, and my first uh, gig was on April fool's day. Oh, is that right? <laughs> and yeah, in 2017 in El Cajon, uh, California. And, uh, yeah. And I was, uh, you know, I went, went to the rehearsal. Uh, Todd wasn't there because he, he had some stuff going on. He couldn't, couldn't make it to the rehearsal. So it was mainly Eddie and uh, it was Eddie, me, Parker and whip. And, uh, we just, we were in a studio setting. Like, you know, you'd see the, I, I was in the big room where, where they record all the instruments and everybody, they were in the control room. So there was a window in between us. So in order for them to talk to me, they'd have to push a button and I could hear, hear them talk back. Um, but the set, the way they, the way they run things, they they have all this video stuff going on. So it's it's all you know, uh, it's all triggered, triggering this video. So you can't stop the whole thing. Yeah. Because they wanted to keep that. You know, that's a big part of it. And uh, so we didn't stop the whole set. And I had no idea. You know, I was like, oh man, only had this long, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking everything sucks because you know it's so hard to 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 do this so quick you know and write and uh i walk into the studio they had the thing booked out for like 12 hours or whatever and uh i walk into the to their room which you know and they're putting their guitars away i'm like okay cool we'll take a break and they're like you know michael's like no dude we're good i'm selling a house so i'm gonna just go to the, do that you, thanks for not wasting any of our times our nice. time you know i'm like going I go, really? <laughs> yeah, man. And, and like, you know, hey, if you want to go parts, I'll stay with you as long as you want. So I, I, I stayed with, you know, maybe another 30 minutes or so with Eddie and, and went over a couple of parts that I had questions about. And uh, and that was pretty much it. And that, and that night, I think I was like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm actually, we only went through the set once. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so we, got to the place the venue we were playing and Todd's there and I'd known Eddie and, and Michael for years before you know I'd, I'd I'd worked with Mike Stone which was one of the guitar players and and uh and Mike used to have me out to to some of the Queensryche shows before so I got to know the other guys pretty well and uh we go to do the sound check and we're like hey let's run through anything you want you know whatever you want as long as you want we're here for you. And, uh, I'm standing, I'm pl- sitting on the kit and Eddie and Michael are looking at me and I'm like, this is weird, you know, because I, that's the first time I'd been in the same room with them while we're playing. I couldn't play anything. I was like, and I, we stopped and I get, Eddie goes, uh, it's going to be okay. And I go, I go, you guys just can't look at me. Turn around. I go, <laughs> you're messing me up. I'm used to being on that other side, watching you and like, I, I can't, uh, I can't do this. I go, don't look at me. You're going to mess me up. So I would, you know, I could play. Then I, then it was like, all right, I got it, got it out of my mind. Yeah. I, I just 
life was crazy. And uh, halfway through the show, uh, we're getting ready to do mission. And uh, there's a long intro with a big video thing that goes on. And uh, I'm st standing down from the kit and Eddie and, and Michael and the guys, they come back behind the scrims and they're tuning in their guitars and doing stuff and joking around. Eddie's, Eddie's like a comedian. And uh, Eddie looks at me and all the guys are look, we're all looking at each other. And Eddie, Eddie looks at me and he goes, <laughs> and, started, and it really broke the ice. I was like sweating and I was like going, goes, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> so that was it, you know? And then uh, and now Eddie and I, we, we bust each other all the time. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, so the, the initial, going back real quick to the initial outreach, did you know Todd because you had played together before? You just lived near each other in the music community? We live, uh, I live probably, I'm about 30 minutes from him. So yeah, it was, it was basically because he, he was a drummer. He was a local guy that oh, played yeah. drums, you know? So, and I, you know, like every, every now and then like these, you know, if I had needed somebody for a gig or something, you know, uh, he was one of those guys, you know? So that's how I kind of knew him. And then he, he's played with Crimson Glory and, uh, right. we had, you know, Camelot had, um, uh, you know, I knew known those guys too. We had toured, not with Todd with Crimson Glory, but with with uh, Wade Black, who actually sang with Crimson. But uh, but I knew knew those guys as well. But it's mainly because he's a local guy, you know. And I had seen, I saw Todd at a TSO uh, show. We went out and saw Jeff, and uh, and we we were walking back out after the show. We were walking to our cars and kind of parked next to each other, and. Uh, Todd, you know, I, I told Todd, I said, you know, hey, if, you know, you guys ever, you know, anything ever happens, you need a drummer. Let me <laughs> and uh, I'd love to fill in, you know, and, and like not too long after that, a few months, you know, maybe a year later, that's when Todd, you know, I get that call on the, on the cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which I never thought would ever happen. You know, hey, yeah, I never thought I'd still be sitting here four years later, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, so I was going to ask you this anyway, but knowing that you are, were such a fan already, is I don't know if it still is, but was it surreal playing this music you loved as a part of it for these diehard fans? Man, it was, yeah. I can't even, you know that movie Rockstar like we were talking yeah, about? Yeah. That was me. I felt, I felt like, you know, and then they were like, hey, you want to do the meet and greet? I'm like, I mean, what do you mean? Like, you know, people are going to take photos with us. I go, this is weird. And I probably smile bigger in my life. Than that whole thing. <laughs> I mean, Queensryche for me goes back to a point in my life where I had absolutely nothing, like living out of a car and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, playing a tape that had been played, you know, I played Operation Minecraft. I had, I think I owned three different cassettes of that because they just start getting warbly after yeah. stretched so much, you know. Um, so that was... For me, be, pl even just playing on, getting on the other side of the stage with those guys was was a dream, you know, like yeah. uh, dream come true. I mean, after that, I was like, I I'd done everything I wanted to do in life. After <laughs> <laughs> that, that show, you know, uh, it was it was a, an amazing experience, you know. Um, I still remember the jitter, you know, being so, you know, because usually, you know, I, I was with Camelot. I was so. Uh, I'd been with that band so long and not I could step on a stage with, you know, a bunch of people and, you know, 10,000 people in front of us, not get nervous, but I couldn't even do sound check with those guys. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Well, let's, um, let's fast forward a bit then. So you guys, I feel like I've seen enough posts. You guys have been writing for the forthcoming record. Um, in fact, I think, I think, some of you got together down at uh, Todd's house or are still, can you give us a, an update on where you're at with the forthcoming record? Yeah. So the, so the guys have been uh, uh, coming down here. Actually it was Michael uh, would come down. Uh, he, he was, he came down like two or three times and we were at, at Todd's place. Uh, Todd had electronic. He's got both electronic and acoustic drums there too, but it's just easier to write the stuff and play it into a computer 
because you can change it around with electronic drums um you know if they want to make a new part or something um so uh basically they're you know they hey if you want to come over and, and hang out and lay some drums down you know some ideas or whatever and I, you know, said, absolutely. You know, so, uh, we did that a couple, three times at Todd's and then Eddie actually came down this last time a couple weeks ago. And we, we, uh, stayed at, uh, the old Hulk Hogan mansion. Um, oh, is that right? And yeah. Uh, so now it's called Chateau Galinsky. Uh, some friends of Todd, Todd owns it. And, uh, we stayed, we, we actually set up there and, uh, we, the, our producer, uh, Zeus and, and, uh, Michael, uh, me and Eddie and, and, and Todd, we, we all got in, basically in one room of that gigantic house <laughs> if we could find it, uh, you know, and, and, and locked ourselves in there for a couple of weeks actually, and, and had some really great, you know, great stuff come out. Um, so it's, it's exciting and, you know, those those guys are so fun to work with you know eddie's always eddie's cooking all the time you know um he's he's a great chef and he's you know um it's never a dull moment with those guys around so they're all fun to be around yeah is there is there any projected timing on the next record or still too early sorry projected timing for the next record or is it still no too early? i think it's too early yet yeah yeah it's too early i don't i, don't, I haven't seen any outline of what you know, when that's supposed to be done or anything. Yeah. Um, so I've got one kind of question. This is just personal curiosity, but you know, it's, it's interesting to learn that when you started with Camelot, you know, maybe some of the skills that you, you'd ended up needing or wanting to use all the time were things you built, built muscle for, but you became like pretty well known for that drumming. I mean, it's very distinctive. I wonder, um, are you introducing any of that stylistically into the new record, or you, or do you try and kind of keep the Queen Drake, you know, framework? Yeah, I, I try to keep the Queen's framework, like okay. you know that that the idea of that it's a sound, you know, it's just For like Camelot sure. had the sound with all the double bass stuff. Um, in Queen's there's there's not a ton of double bass, you know, it's mainly for accents or something, you know. Yeah. Um, so like in, in Camelot, it would be uh, fast stuff. The whole song would be, you know, 170, 180 beats per minute, you know, blaring the whole time. So uh, uh, that's pretty much not going to, that's not the sound of, of, of a Queensryche thing. And, and I know that, and, you know, obviously, you know, because playing those stuff for the last four years, um, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, that wasn't the way to go about it. Sure. Because uh, being a fan, too, I don't want it to it, – it needs to have that slot. It needs to have that sound, you know. Yeah. That was my instinct, but I thought I'd ask. Um, well, I have to say, I think the fans have really embraced you. I, I hope that um, we get to see you continue to play with them for a while. Um, you know, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for your career, even more so now after – um, diving into so many of the other things you've done, um, which brings us then to the last thing, which is uh, releasing, I think within the next week or two on the Steam platform, which is a, a a PC game that is kind of billed as a symphonic metal record. You can play a game to this this recording, and um, you did the drums for this. It's called Of Bird in Cage. Um, I wanted to ask you, have you, um, first of all, like, are, uh, do you know very much about the, the game itself, like the gameplay experience? Have you played it or seen it? I haven't been able to play it. I have seen uh, some video of, of, of it being played. Uh, I think they did, they did some a live show uh, and they uh, played, you know, they had a gamer playing, playing the game as it was going on. Um, it's it's uh, actually going to be released uh, May twentieth. May twentieth. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, on Steam. So wish for it on Steam. Uh, the uh, it's also going to be released separately from. You can buy just the the uh, soundtrack if you wanted to. Um, actually, have prices on that too. Yeah. Soundtrack just uh, seven ninety nine. The game is fourteen ninety nine, which you would hear the music 
uh, and for both, you can get both uh, for $19.99. So, um, but uh, it's what the way I, it's been described to me is a modern day uh, Beauty and the Beast uh, uh, version of with the game. Uh, the music is 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 pretty epic though. It's pretty it's heavy and beautiful at the same time in a lot of ways. So um, I'm super excited about it. I mean, it's the first video game I've ever been a part of. And um, it, for me, it's been uh, eight year, eight years ago, I think is when I first started talking to the guys about, you know, uh, coming on here, you know, and uh, I, I believe I was the first person they drew in a studio and, <laughs> and, uh, they had this dream of you know they they were going to do it finally it's it's coming out you know so it's been such a long time i mean i, I probably finished the drums a couple of years ago oh, i want right? to say yeah and it took a while to get them you know because it would be like okay this song's done some of the songs were super long too like 18 minute song oh wow or, you know, yeah you know so because you know you got to think you're playing a two it's a two-hour game so yeah um and i believe there's 18 songs on there and uh it's it it's uh super cool though the music you know and i've seen some video and some some of the trailers too and i can't wait to play it uh, you know I'm, i i haven't played much games since since my kids left the house so <laughs> but <laughs> now uh, you have a chance but uh yeah now i got and you know and one of our uh actually one of our uh our techs vendor he's a he's a big gamer and uh, uh the queen's right tech and so he's he's anxious to see it too but uh i've seen uh i've it, seen some of the trailers and it's gorgeous um it reminds yeah. me of an old game alan wake a little bit in that it's really narratively driven and it's it's a little bit dark i think the main character is a drug addict and she's got this sort of captor um to your beauty yeah. and the beast point um, yep. and the music is, goes from being really aggressive, at least in the trailers I've seen, uh, to like really atmospheric, like uh, the uh, epic's a great way to describe it because it's, um, it's been beautifully married to the narrative, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah. I can't, I, I'm blanking on the, the composer's name. Um, but he's done, I was looking at his website and he's done a bunch of, um, video game scoring. So he's like, he's, he, this is his wheelhouse. It's Arnold, Arnold or. or yeah. 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 In fact, yeah. he's got a page. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, he's got a, he's got a page on his website where he actually has enumerated um, the different um, sort of feelings like anger, joy, yeah. and how they sound or could sound. Um, so you can tell he thinks yeah. about the way to represent, you know, the, the, the emotions uh, with music. Yeah. Yeah, it, it working with him was an absolute joy, and you know, he he would uh, send send the stuff that you know he he really wanted to fo focus on the way he had had these these drums done on the record, yeah. which was good. You know that's the way way it should be, because um, he had had this whole in his mind how everything had sounded when it was finished, and uh, you know it, it it there's there's so many styles that on that record playing wise, you know, like thrash, you know, thrash to, to uh, just a regular solid rock beat to soft, to, you know, to just, uh, you know, like a lot of different styles of music, um, drumming. Yeah. You, you got know, to perfect for you. It sounds like you got to sort of use all, all these different yeah. tools you develop. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, and, uh, it was, it was really neat to, to get with it. I'd met him. It was actually my last show I did with Camelot in Israel. And um, he came out to the show and uh, we talked about more. I think I'd already recorded some stuff at that point, you know, because it like we recorded over over years, you know, because songs were just being developed and and in the storyline and in the whole they were trying to put it together with the, with the game and stuff. And uh, so, I mean, uh, we finally got everything going and I'm like, finally this thing after eight years, you know, it's finally happening. I'm so excited for him and everybody that's been involved in it, you know, like some of you know, Cobra page, which is a good friend of mine. And, uh, there's a lot of great, great players on it as well. Um, 
I spoke so. with um, Rude Jolie last week. Um, yeah, he's a good guy too. Yeah, okay. he was fun. He he, I I I can't. He told me a story. I think it involved you, where you guys were kind of chatting. It was with one of the players where, good naturedly, he said that working with Arnold, he called him a demoaholic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He said you know because he was he he had a vision that he wanted to to yeah. hit with the the music. Yeah, that's that's uh that we. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny that he said that because I think we had saw each other. Uh, oh, I think it was at I think it was at Vacken. Was at a festival. It was at Vacken, yeah. And uh, and and we talked about you know he's like, hey, I'm finishing up the the uh, guitars, you know. I'm, I'm like, wow, okay, I did the drums, you know, like just finished the last. I think I have one more song or something. So we you know kind of went through that and uh, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, but Arnold had a vision and that's, you know, yeah. you can't, uh, like you said, he can, if he can hear what, you know, visually something is like sad or happy or whatever. I mean, that's, it's a, it's amazing you know, yeah, to yeah. be able to do that. And that's, that's what he did. That's what he did with his games. So. I'm excited to play it. Um, I spent several years at Xbox. Um, and so I think it kind of is a good crossover for me. Um, I wanted to ask on the recording end, it sounds like you've got a studio where you do have done a lot of the, this work on these collaborative processes. Is that where you did the work for this as well? Yep. Yep. I've done, uh, I did the work for that. I've done, I've done work for um, a good friend of mine. He recently he passed away a couple of years ago, uh, was the drummer for Prince. And, uh, and, and he came in here, he would record, or drum parts and stuff for for prints so um wow. you know so it, it's a small studio but i've got some really cool old, old microphone preamps and you know a bunch of nice nice gear you know i yeah. i kind of went went to you know i wanted it to be a, something that i could you know use and re, you know record great great players or myself or me playing on bigger budget albums and stuff so well i mean that's uh it's been said many times, but that's one of the advantages of where we're at with the technology is you don't need a big studio to capture big sound. Um, if you got the gear yeah. and the know-how. So, um, so a lot of it's performance, you know, like if, if it's a good performance, you can, you know, you, you can only shine a penny so much on the sound wise, <laughs> but the, the performance has got to be good. You know, yeah. so, um, I wish it was a, I wish I had a bigger, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, always was for a lot of things <laughs> yeah yeah in the studio i wish it was a bigger room but that's all i can say hey one quick question when you did the when mm -hmm. uh made me think when you got together that first time to run the set with queensrike where was that was that down there in tampa it someplace was, or no no it was in seattle it was at a place called uber beats i was gonna ask seattle. if it's uber beats because that's where i know yeah, queensrike yeah. does a lot of the rehearsal there that's like two miles from me up the road Okay, so you're in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a, the yeah. the guy who runs uh, owns and runs that Jesse Smith. Uh, um, he's also a drummer. great guy. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, great guy, great drummer. I love Jesse. Good friend. Yeah, he. Yeah. I saw We're, him. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'll be I'll be there next week actually. Oh, is so, that right? Not not Uber, not Uber Beats, but yeah, I'll be. Yeah, we have a show on the twenty first in Idaho. And, okay. Uh, so we haven't we haven't uh, done the set in a while, so I guess we're gonna go through it a couple times. <laughs> you're um so you're coming here to rehearse and then you'll kind of travel over to Idaho yeah. for the show. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you're gonna be are you gonna be up at Uber Beats again? No, not this time. Okay, unfortunately, but hopefully I get to see uh, you know see Jesse and the gang. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a tight knit community. Uh, I guess it is kind of everywhere, but that's cool. That's cool to know that that's where that, for, I could, I could visualize where you were when you said that. That's why I wanted to ask. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I was in the big playing room. Yeah. You, know, you know, you know, they were reads. I do. Yeah. I've been there. Like a drummer that I work with a lot has a uh, room there that he teaches and, and practices and records. And so I've been up there many times. Um, so man, it's it's been really good talking to you. Um, I, I, we're I want to leave you to your day, but before we go, I want to be sure everybody knows where they can connect with you. Like, um, 
Is it your website? Is that the best kind of entryway to all things Casey Grillo or? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a website. I mean, you can, usually it's like people email me through art, you know, about art or whatever, if they want something done. Um, uh, that, you know, Facebook, you know, the, uh, I have, you know, I have a page, I have an artist page as well. And Instagram, um, I believe it's all just at Casey J Grillo on Instagram. And my, uh, uh, my Facebook is drummer Casey Grillo. And then I have a personal page, but I think it's all, it's all full up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, they do. Well, that's good. We'll direct folks. Uh, we'll include a link over to, um, where people can kind of get in touch with you. And then we'll look forward to seeing you out on the road when things start breaking up. It sounds like Queen Drake's already starting to schedule shows, which is cool. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, I'm sure, hopefully it just keeps going on. You know, stuff starts opening up and everybody can get out there and play. Yeah. Well, man, it's really good to talk to you. I'm, I'm so impressed with the career you've had, um, the diversity and the, the various creative outlets. And I, I wanted a chance to, um, talk about not just a bird and cage uh, and cage, which is really cool. And folks should check that game out, but kind of everything that you've done and sound, you know, what's here's one last question I like to ask. And that's, you know, you've done so many different things, but is there a creative mountain you've yet to climb? Like, is there something that you want to try when time permits? Uh, there's not You're doing all know. the things like, you want to do. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. pretty much. I mean, uh, I mean, I've, I would, uh, if I would been busy, if you'd asked me this a year and a half ago, I would have said, I want to take some time off because it's been busy, but now it's like, I want to get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, there's, you know, uh, I would probably want to do a jazz record one day, like a, like a pop jazz type thing, you know, you know, different style of drumming, maybe a Latinish type type thing. That would but, be super uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, man. I haven't done anything. I mean, I've played that type of music, but it's never been re- really recorded. So something like that would be kind of cool to do, you know. Um, but that's, man, I'm, that's a hard question. I'd have to think It's a big question, yeah. Me. But, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a good answer, man. That's, um, yeah. I would love to see you do that. Uh, so I, I hope maybe that things conspire to bring that together. That would be fun to hear. Yeah. It would be great, yeah. I'm not jumping out of an airplane any good airplanes, uh, at, you know, anytime soon. I don't want to do anything like that. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm going to climb this mountain or do that. Yeah. You know, now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Casey. Well, um, thanks for all the time. Um, we'll make sure people know how to get a hold of you and we'll look forward to seeing you out on the road. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, man. Take care. See you.